Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 80. Today's our Monday rundown that we normally do and only half of the talent is here today. So <laughs> Regina's here, Aaron's out on vacation. He's somewhere in New Mexico or Arizona or someplace like that. Um, enjoying the sights and sounds of the great Southwest. So um, Gina, how are you doing? Good. Good deal. What, uh, how was your weekend? It was busy. You seem to say that every time. <laughs> it just never slows down. Never slow down. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. Everything, the, feeling. the seasons just run together and it feels like we finish one thing just to start another. So, yep, so it's just, we're just in that stage of life. Yep. So speaking of finishing, I take it you're probably done with corn by now? Yep. We finished with corn a week ago. Um, blindly, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, something went wrong with our planting tractor, so... We literally had 50 acres left, and Tyson hooked up the four-wheel drive, and for some reason, he couldn't get the planter monitor. And instead of actually trying to figure out yeah. what was going on, he just planted. Absolutely. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> Makes all the sense in the world. Um, so we got done with that, and just in time to AI cows. I think I mentioned that the last time. Yeah. Um, so we got that done and got a bunch of rain, and... Finally got all of our cows moved to grass last week, and just in time to start planting our hay, we plant hay millet um, okay. and sorghum sedan grass, and then um, we also do um, proso millet, which is like a bird seed, so yeah. um, jump back into that, and I guess just busy, busy, run, run, and, run. And there you are. And there I am. Right okay, so what? What about you? What did you do last week? Oh, uh, last week I was in beautiful Hilton Head, South Carolina, enjoying the, the humidity. And you know, it's one thing when you, when you live in an area where there's like no humidity and then you move from an area that had humidity then you move to an area that didn't have it. And then you go back to where it's at. You, you forget real quick heat and the humidity was, uh, was enough. Yeah. Enough for me to not want to, uh, I just did here that they, it's just, it was enough. So Glad to be back. Glad to be here. But it was fun, you know. Went down there with my wife's family, and uh, met them all down there, and had a good time, and drank more beers than I probably should have, <laughs> <laughs> and did did your typical vacation vacation stuff. So it was fun. Um, so yeah, glad to be back. And now here we are, and it's uh, another Monday. Another Monday. Yeah. A Monday, Monday. All right. So there's talk, all kinds of talk about all kinds of stuff right now. Yep. Here in the ag business, there's so many things to be unsure about that you don't know what to be sure of, right? So we have this whole China thing going on. We've got interest rates creeping up. We've got, um, you know, the weather thing is getting to be a bigger deal now mm -hmm. than, it, than it's been in the past. So that's on doing after the bell. Um, you know, everything on the commodity side was down, even cocoa and sugar. I mean, it was all, everything there was down, okay? It was all related back to China, right? So, um most of it was anyway um crop progress reports coming out i think the corn progress report came out it's coming out this afternoon and then mm -hmm. tomorrow there'll be a soybean uh planted acres report that comes out and the crop progress report and all that kind of stuff that has to do with those two crops which are going to drive the marketplace so beef was down today because of scares with china and everything yep. else and you know we had a two-week run where it's like oh boy this is we're here we go and now we're coming back down so What's it like on your farm right now, and, and kind of what's your what's your feel for what you see happening out there? Um, well, it definitely makes everybody a little bit grumpy. I can imagine. Right. Um, 
around our house, but definitely um, from a producer standpoint, it just makes it even more important to know your break-evens and to know where your costs are. Um, To that way then you can take advantage of a profit when the profits come. And um, my husband, he's primarily in charge of um, marketing our grain, or he does a lot of it. I should say he doesn't do all of it, um, but he's kind of taken on that role in our farm. Um, so he's always watching the contracts, and he's buying contracts. He actually sold some a contract for wheat for next year already, um, just because he kind of knows our proven yields and kind of we have a pretty good idea of where our costs are going to be. Right. Um, and so he saw a profit, and he's like, well, heck, I might as well lock some in. Right. And at least, you know, I know that I have part of it because, like you said, you don't know where it's going. It, it did look, there was a bright spot. It looked like the markets were all trending up, and yeah. everything was kind of looking like, you know, we might be heading in the right direction. And then, obviously, news changes, and there's a little bit of scare in the markets. Now, I don't I don't see this as being necessarily like a, a long-term thing by any means. Mm-hmm. Um Especially when you talk about beef, because the beef demand has been stronger than what it ever has been. And speaking about China, they're they're basically they have a lot of people moving into the middle to upper class, so they're wanting to change their eating habits and eat right. more beef. Um, so you know, I definitely think the cattle market's gonna hold hold true, I guess, and hold hold its own yeah. by all means. Um, but yeah, I think it's just even more important to just know. Know your operation and know what it's going to take to lock in a good price um, and to do so gradually over the season. Um, that's kind of what we do to help manage our risks. And sometimes you make bad decisions or, you know, what you think is a good decision that maybe isn't always turn out to be the best, but you're still selling a crop. And, right. you know, yeah, it's it's not everything. You're not selling it all at, the same, at one time. It's just a little bit of it. And you have time to make another contract to – make things work out a little bit better hopefully right absolutely (laughs) but um you know fuel prices have been on the rise too Mm -hmm. um and usually when fuel prices go up usually mean the commodity markets are pretty good um and so it's kind of a weird 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 place that the ag markets are in right now just because everything's not trending like it normally does right yeah everything is trending either the it's like everything Input wise, it's starting to kind of creep and trend up. Mm-hmm. And with the commodity prices, they're either staying the same or going down. I mean, granted, they're going up a little bit, but they're also, it seems like whatever they gain, they lose, mm-hmm. you know, in the same amount of time. Yep. And I feel like we've probably given back all the stuff that we've gained um, over the, that up that uptick that we had. Yep. I'm pretty sure we've given it all <laughs> yep, back by pretty now. Pretty much. So we're back down to where we started at. So it's, it's a, uh, it's such an ebb and flow and such a give and take. And it's always one of those things where, you never know what it's going to bring from one day to the next. So, yep. You have you have a lot of kind of you get your your husband and his brother, right? Yep. And then his mom and dad and stuff are still out there. Yep. How does that work together in, in situations like in these kind of times where there's, you know, this is kind of the first generationally, mm-hmm. you know, for for your for your your husband and his brother to kind of have this this cycle where we're at right now. So how's that? How's that? Uh, How's that mentoring between between father and son and mother and everybody else? Um, yeah, it's always an interesting thing, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're working with family. Um, but thankfully, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they're great, and they're very open with communication. Um, they sit down and 
try to have a monthly meeting. It doesn't always happen in the busy season, but they try to always get together so that everybody's kind of on the same page for the same month, even though yep. they talk to each other daily, right? Right. But it's kind of their time to kind of set what they want to accomplish or what they have mm-hmm. to get done or how they're going to plant corn for the next month or whatever mm-hmm. um, more in more of a formal setting. But um, there again, that's kind of how my husband got taken or took over the marketing of grains mm-hmm. because my father-in-law was just like many other farmers. Oh, it's always going to go higher. Oh, it's always going to go higher. It's always going to go higher and would never sell it. Um, so my mother-in-law and my husband, they just got together and they just said, we're watching it. We know where the numbers are and we're just going to sell a little bit here and there at a time and do what we got to do. And so that's kind of worked really well for us on our farm. Um, and my father-in-law, he's getting older in age, not physically necessarily. He's very, you know, still physically able to do basically everything on the farm. Um, but he's kind of backed off a lot. And his main job, especially this time of year, is running our sprayer. We have a self-propelled sprayer. So that's kind of his job, his role. He keeps that thing running and rolling and um Keeps, tries to keep on top of everything as much as he can. Of course, the weather's been a little bit difficult this spring to keep up on everything, but um, that's kind of his main role. And then uh, my husband and his brother take care of the planting of the corn and kind of everything else that's running and running and rocking and rolling um, as far as that goes. And so it's worked, it's worked pretty well. Um, my father-in-law basically has turned over the reins to his sons and said, you know, whatever kind of technological advancements you guys want to make, that's totally up to them and in their their hands because it's going to be their future right? right i mean he he gets enough about gps and all that kind of stuff and you know when i first moved there they were still running um oh what's the old light bar system um easy steer type stuff yeah easy yeah. steer <laughs> yeah yeah they still yeah. had one of those on their four-wheel drive until not too long ago <clears throat> here and it worked but you know there's still they now upgraded to all John Deere guidance, so they definitely have made an upgrade there. But, you know, if it was up to my father-in-law, it worked to what he needed to work for or what he needed it for, so he had no reason to upgrade it right. um, until basically the boys were like, no, if we're going to use this to plant with, we really need to get something better on here to better utilize um, GPS and technology to do what they need to do. So, yeah. um, you know, we're very lucky that my father-in-law is very willing and open to basically let my husband and brother and his brother kind of make decisions and decide where they want to go. Yeah. Um, and I think he's been outvoted a couple times here in the recent <laughs> years. <laughs> um, yeah. They very much so get kind of together and it's kind of a, if something's split, it's kind of a majority rules type of thing. Um, but bottom line is we still run a business and it still has to be profitable. So every, every decision that's made on our farm is definitely driven by whether it, you know, whether it's going to make us a break us, I guess, for the right. year. So yeah. um, they're pretty conservative in that type of, in that respect. That's good. Good that you have that kind of communication. You can, and good that your father-in-law and mother-in-law are, are open to, yep. to change and not like, by God, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the, I mean, you see that a lot with, I don't know. and we have friend, you know, good friends too that we know and, and they run into those type of situations and you feel for them because it, it's definitely a tough dynamics that happens on every farm. Um, yep. But it's it fun. Yep. Good deal. All right, so let's talk about some new stuff. Before we started doing this, we were talking about the Bear-Monsanto merger yep. coming up. Um, I've read a little bit about it. I'm not going to say pretend like I'm some kind of expert on it by any means, but um, it is going to be very, gonna be very interesting how that whole thing plays out because now that's a... That's a very dominant sector of the of the marketplace. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I'm not an expert on it either, but yeah. definitely, um, you know, I think Monsanto always gets the bad rap, the bad name, um, and now it's kind of interesting to see that Bear is going to be taking that over, and they're going to basically sounds like they're going to be ditching the Monsanto name, um, but. It'll be interesting how it plays out in the ag jobs mm -hmm. sector. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily here in our local sector because, you know, our territory is pretty spread out. So there's probably not as much overlap in our area, direct area. Um, the f I'm talking about more in eastern Nebraska and Iowa, you know, there's probably two... Um, two managers of an area, regional managers or whatever, that are probably living within, you know, 30 miles of each other. and. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and that trickle effect, how it affects, I guess, the ag careers in the local areas. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's obviously ag has numerous opportunities, so I'm sure that those people will be sucked up by some other company or maybe they'll be taken on by by Bayer, however they decide to do that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see. Um, it would just be nice if maybe maybe cross my fingers we could get some new products or chemicals approved by the government to come out because um, there really hasn't been a whole lot of new technology from that side of things necessarily in the last few years more than a few years but yeah, yeah it's it's been a while since there's been really any kind of really big dynamic chemical that's come out that's mm -hmm. really kind of shaped other than dicamba you know what i mean it's <laughs> yep. that's kind of <laughs> That's kind of that's good and bad both depending on how far it drifts, I guess. You yeah, know, and, yeah. And you have some issues there, but um, overwhelmingly, it feels like it's going to be exciting to see how this thing happens and yep. how, how it works out. Yep. So it'll be it'll be interesting. So um, last week we were talking about some some uh, inventories and stuff that we saw across the United States, mm -hmm. and kind of I've talked about combines and we were talking about combines and I said I felt like there was a a uh, kind of a, a larger than probably more more comfortable I didn't really feel as comfortable as I should be at this point in time with the inventory that's there even though there's a, a bit of a I'd say it's a higher than normal demand right now mm -hmm. in, in overall equipment use so we're, we're at now we rolled into the early order writing period for for sprayers or cedars planters those kind of things um, we've talked about planters quite a bit on here about there's not a whole lot of used planters out there because we kind of had that purge in 14 that yep. kind of cleaned up the used equipment marketplace and now we're kind of in a pretty pretty good spot i guess when you start looking at inventories mm -hmm. um but air seeders is something that i feel like when you start looking at the inventory across there's a lot of air seeders on the marketplace mm -hmm. and they've just kind of died and i mean obviously it's going to reflect back towards the price of wheat but what do you see out there and kind of what's your feel for the air seeder marketplace yeah it's it's tough yeah <laughs> um and a big part of that too i think that kind of is you know a negative for an air seeder they're so large it's hard to haul them anywhere right. um and i think that's probably what's kind of really even made it more detrimental to the air seeder market because you can't just load it on a truck and haul it down the road like you know a combine you can take the wheels off and haul it down the road right um tractor whatever but and the air seeder market it's definitely um it's definitely more of a segmented market you know especially here um where we live in western nebraska and colorado or whatever um there's a lot of 10 inch spacing yep um you know that maybe doesn't necessarily always work in other areas or seven and a half inch spacing or 12 inch spacing you know it comes down to those minute details 
that makes or breaks a machine, basically, as to where it's going to fit in the market. Um, but yeah, it's been super quiet on air seeders. Um, there's a few guys maybe looking to upgrade. Um, and the only reason why they're looking at doing that is, you know, because they have to start basically replacing some major parts on their machine and they're weighing their options as to what's going to best benefit them, I guess. Yeah. Um, but what have you seen? Well, I mean, that's the thing about air seeders is the, you take a look at what's happened. So they're primarily used to plant wheat. There are guys that use to plant beans, you know, on a 15 inch mm -hmm. space, those kind of things. I'm not going to sit here and say they're solely used to plant small grains, but the majority of their use is small grains. Mm -hmm. So whether it's canola or whether it's millet wheat or millet or whatever it is, it's a small grain application. Mm -hmm. Um, with the few exceptions in the, in the Iowa, Illinois area, um, Indiana, heavy corn belt area where they might use some 15 inch spacing to plant mm -hmm. some soybeans, but you're starting to see the split row planter really step into there and take yep. that, take that job on more than you've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. The 1790, 1795, you know, 15 row 32 type stuff, you know, or 15 inch 32 stuff. Those, those type of planters are really starting to kind of take that over because yep. they're looking for more precision. They're mm -hmm. looking for a better seed placement. They're doing what I mean, it's such a so I still know guys that go out and use a fifteen inch planter and put the soybeans in and go back and run the cultivator across top of it, call it good, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. comes up, whatever comes <laughs> up, you know. And it's but they've done it for years and they've had good stands and they've had good yields and it's all worked out well for them. Yep. But that dynamic is changing. So to get back to to your point of, of where that machine's at and how that whole thing works, mm -hmm. that is such a big player because now you start looking at the arid parts of the wheat belt, mm -hmm. you know, like us where we're at, eastern Colorado, West Texas, Texas Panhandle, Texas or Oklahoma Panhandle, um, in that area, the 10 inch to 12 inch, even some 15 inch stuff, but a lot of it's 10 to 12 inch. Mm -hmm. You can't really use it once you get 10 or 12 inch spacing stuff. That's a wheat machine. Yep. You know what I mean? That's going to be in the arid wheat part of the country. And if the wheat price isn't doing very well, those use planters don't move. Yep. You know, and normally. Those are the ones that are like the the, the hoe drill, you know, mm -hmm. or something like that. And, and they're only used in that area for the most part. And you're you're looking at something that is probably fifty or sixty foot long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those those wider space stuff, that's a bigger machine. Mm -hmm. Because they're working in bigger fields out in wheat and whatever else and they're doing what they have to do. But that's where we're seeing some issues like in our if you start looking at even our, our our southern part of our territory where there is a lot more 10 inch space a lot more 12 inch mm -hmm. space stuff um we not necessarily struggle to move it but it's not as easy to move as it was three years ago yep and i feel like there's probably going to be some more probably some more dynamics that come along with that that i think guys are going to start looking at when they're when they're because they're i think they're expensive to, to recondition. Mm -hmm. They are. There's so many row units. Yep. You know what I mean? You start looking across the, even a 40-foot to a 50-foot thing, how many... Just your discs alone yeah, is going to How many row units there? So there's a lot to worry about there when you start looking at that. So when you... You know, I'm starting to see it on Twitter now pop up where guys are starting to plant like, well, they just got to plant some spring wheat and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and that's kind of coming to an end. And now you got guys looking at... Um, canola and those kind of things but they're starting to to go to move into to those kind of stuff what do you see out there and, and kind of what's what's the feel that you're seeing for maybe some of the appetite for for some used air seeders out there 
Yeah. The appetite is pretty low. Isn't it? I mean, I can't I can't find a pulse anywhere that's showing someone who wants to buy a used air seeder. It seems like it's probably the last thing on everybody's list. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think part of it is, too, that it's just, I think they're more worried about other things that they have going on, like maybe their corn planter or maybe yep. their combine. Yep. Um, or maybe it's that new tractor, whereas, you know, they're going to keep running that air seeder as long as they can. Mm -hmm. Um because they are expensive. Yep. You know, they are a costly unit to purchase, especially if you're looking at brand new. Yep. Um, so it's definitely, I definitely think it's probably not on anybody's forefront to replace an air seeder. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty quiet. It's, it, yeah, it's hard to find anybody who's out there looking for one necessarily. Yep. And I would, I just, I cannot find, we're having like a steady trickle, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But it's not, people aren't beating down the door yep. to come say, hey, I want to get a new air seeder. Mm -hmm. And obviously the price of the commodity that they're planning has a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. But you still think that some of these air seeders have been ran for over a lot of acres. We're looking at stuff with like 10, 15, 20,000, 25,000 acres. 30,000. I, mean, I looked at, the other day. Yeah, yeah, too. It was 30,000 acres. Yeah, 30,000 acres. That's a lot of acres yeah. to go across a piece of equipment. So. You, there's got to be a. You think it's kind of like like I've said. You know, it's not because they want to, because they have to. They got, mm -hmm. They're on that. They're in that bubble now. I think they're almost there. Yeah. And I think guys are probably. It's still tucked in the shed right now. Um, yeah. At least guys in our area that plant. You know, winter wheat. Winter wheat. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the spring guys. I think they just kind of got done with mm -hmm. what they were doing and. They're probably going to park it away in the shed and worry about what was the next thing on their list. Right. Which is not necessarily the best practice. Right. But it's something that tends to happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there could be, there might be a little bit more action in the fall when guys start pulling their stuff out and thinking, mm, you know, maybe it's not, maybe I do need to do something here. Yeah. Um, but I think, too, guys are just, they're just trying to get by with what they have. Yeah. You know, and trying to run their parts as long as they can um, mm -hmm. just to get by. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about advantage versus disadvantage. When you start looking at, I've always wondered this, and this is kind of a, this is just the cheesy part of my brain working right here, but I've always felt like winter wheat gets done and you roll right into the EOP, mm -hmm. right? And then winter wheat doesn't start till depending on where you're at, sometime late August to God knows when, you know, it could be any time yep. between there yep. and the first of October. And... So you, you look at that. If I'm a sales guy, I think that because it's the front of their mind, they got done using their spring, their planter or their cedar for a spring wheat, mm -hmm. and they're, it's in the shed now, and they remember they just got done using it. So EOP comes around. What, you think, where, what advantage do you think you have? What, which, which one do you think is better for the sales guy? Yeah, definitely um, to jump on them right away when they still have those issues in the back yeah. of their mind that they had to deal with all season long. Yeah. Um, you know, they're definitely probably tired of it. I can tell you, um, you know, my husband had some troubles with his planner this year and he's, he's done with that thing. He's, yeah. He wants a new one or yeah. a different one, not a new one, yeah. but you know, and they're granted they're done. And my father-in-law is probably thinking, Oh, we'll just wait till next year. But no, my husband, he's, he's ready to, to move on yeah, he's over <laughs> and to put, to put that piece to give that piece off to somebody else right. basically um, and so yeah I think definitely if you can catch farmers this time of year when their their troubles are fresh in their mind um, 
you're going to have a lot more success. That's why I think the planner EOP has always gone over so well. Mm-hmm. Because first part of June, pretty much everyone's done planning. You know, there might be a few stragglers out there. But yep. to your point, like you said, guys, remember, like, I'm sick and tired of this thing not doing what this or yep. it's doing this or there's this problem here or I need to put new seed discs on it or I need to put new coulter wheels or whatever it is that I got to do to it. That's fresh in their mind. Or they saw the neighbor down the road yeah. was using this and yeah. they want that too. Yep. So it's, that's always, that's where I found, because that's why I always thought about the air seeder part of it in August. You know, they've, 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 it's been a whole year, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're going to make a decision about air seeders nine months after they used it, if yep. they're planting fall yep. crop, you know what I mean? Yep. Or winter wheat in the fall. So I've always been like, the dynamic there is just like, you know, but... Sales guys keep it fresh in their mind too. Oh, Meryl, those yeah. problems you have that one last yeah. year. Yeah. You're going to upgrade, right? <laughs> so, so that's always a that's always a good point there. But so I think there's some problem there. You know, the other thing that I've noticed that there's been a lot more demand for here of late than I would have been than I would have, and maybe it's just because I didn't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. But grain carts. Yeah. There's a lot of demand for grain carts right now. And it, uh, I don't know what the deal is. Honestly, yeah. I can't tell you. Um, but I've seen more grain carts move in the last yeah. 30 to 45 days than what I think we moved all of last fall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, I, and it's probably, again, it's, it's, grain carts are one of those things that I probably don't pay enough attention to when we're looking at inventory because that's a grain cart and it's, you know, it's December. What, yeah. what are we going to do with a grain cart right now? You know, and then I don't look at it again until now, you know, and mm-hmm. so, but all through the winter and up till through this point, it feels like grain carts have had this, you know, kind of a dynamic run here of late yeah and i don't know i mean it could be that you know guys are just looking to be more efficient yeah um you know and they the right opportunity came along for them to purchase something um especially you know some of those custom harvesters too any custom harvester guy that's rolling or trading off grain carts they are probably not coming in necessarily till after the first of the year probably usually maybe maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but maybe that has a little bit of a role to play with it too. That there was just you know the right inventory at the right time yeah. type of deal. But yeah, it has totally kind of caught me off guard as to how many we've moved here recently. Yeah, and it could be again not paying attention to it like I should. But it seems like you remember back when corn was worth its weight in gold, and everybody wanted like a seven thousand bushel grain cart. You know, I want to be able to fill up my grain my grain trailer and my semi seven times before I have to yeah. empty it. You yeah. Know? The size of grain carts have come down. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> There's not a whole lot of... We're still selling some, some 1,500 and 2,000 bushel grain carts, but it seems like the most stuff we're looking at is that 1,000 mm-hmm. to 1,500, right? Yep. That's kind of that sweet spot. Yep. Um, I don't think we're selling a lot less than that, but it seems like right there between 1,000 and 1,500 is, is where that's at. And it's amazing, pre-2013, that it was... I mean, how big a one can we possibly get? Yeah. That's, that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny how that dynamic has flipped back to probably a little more realistic. And, well, a lot of it, too, is size of tractor. You yeah. Know what I mean, if you get a big-ass grain cart, you have to have a big-ass tractor yeah. to pull it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't just go out there and hook it up and go. So, I don't know, there's, there's probably some dynamics there. But um, are you seeing similar to that? I mean, is that what you're kind of seeing happen, too? Yeah. I'm seeing the same thing, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that thousand thousand bushel grain carts seem to be hot just because, you know, you can go basically fill up your trailer and yeah. off they go. Yep. Um, 
So it seems like, and, I, and maybe it's smaller guys that are bumping up to something like that because they want to be more efficient with their time. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have any wisdom as to why it's yeah, happening. It's just <laughs> something I noticed the other day, and I was doing some eva. I was like, man, I'm, this is like the 10th, yeah. you know, 1,000 bushel grain cart that I've looked at that's <clears throat> five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, and they're, you're getting a whatever, a, a, a 14 or something like that from one of our larger customers, something like that now. <laughs> the herd me is coming out, but I think it's going to be a, I feel really good about going into the fall, barring some crazy tweet that comes out that says, <laughs> you know, whatever, but I feel pretty good about the situation we're sitting in and where we're headed. I think we're going to, I think this fall is going to be, I don't think we're going to set the world on fire by any means, but our track record thus far to this point of the year has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. We've had a pretty good year come so far. Yeah. And I feel like we're going to continue that unless, and it can't really get much worse. Well, I don't want to jinx it because it can, but I think there's probably enough of uh, st- instability in the marketplace that the smallest things can make the will make the market skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to you? Yep. Okay. All right. Well, Gina, what else? What else is on your agenda for the day? I got nothing. The good thing about this podcast is that it's very well scripted <laughs> from the word go. <laughs> One of these days we'll have a script. We'll show up and talk about something that's scripted and not <laughs> not just not just winging it. So there we go. All right. Well, what about you? You got anything fun coming uh, up? No, not really. Same old, same old. Yeah. We got just a few. A few little trips lined up here and there, but nothing too out of the ordinary. So, I'm looking forward to this time of year because I I get to be out of my office mm-hmm. and uh, we got some heydays and different yep. things like that going on. So I kind of like to get out in the field and run a few pieces of machinery or get out and talk with producers with just something, you know, for what we do on our side of the yep. fence. We don't always get to talk face to face with the customers or be, yep. you know, on the firing lines, I guess, so to speak. Yep. So. I look forward to those days, I guess. Yeah, we're uh, we're kind of the back in the background. Yeah. You know, stirring things up, depending on what day you catch us, I guess, and who you talk to. But <laughs> it's it's uh, back here, kind of doing doing stuff, and like you said, it is cool to get out, mm-hmm. get out of the office every once in a while, and go go out and see what's going on out there. So, I think this is a fun time of the year. Yep. What's when you get to demo everything? I mean. Yeah. You know, basically after <laughs> after fall uh, planning is done, you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're just kind of kicking it, waiting for, <laughs> yep. waiting for the next Sunday yep. to come around. Yep, you yep. Know what I mean? just kicking it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that does it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Gene, if guys want to find you, how would they do that? Or um, gals. Or gals. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, Regina Nargis. All right. And you can find me at Moving Iron Podcast. Um, you can find Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron LLC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also send an email to Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit Moving Iron LLC for past and present episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast. And you can also get information on the Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas this year. So if you're a dealer, you check it out. It's a great way to network and meet meet new folks. You can also 
you want to support the podcast, leave a review at your at your uh, favorite podcasting platform. And um, I think that's it. Covers it. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour. Regina Nargis. Let's go move some iron. Out.